welcome in to the Fantasy Football Ratings Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Morton, here with my co-host, cousin, and best friend, Josh Hensel. And Josh, here we go. We are going to do our My Guys episode today. The audience is going to be pumped. These are our guys that we think are going to smash this season in 2021. We are very confident in these guys and can't wait to see them perform. You ready to get this one underway, Josh? Yeah, this one's exciting, right? You know, we're just talking about guys we love. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. The the, the fans are gonna, definitely going to eat this eat this content up. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do kind of our standard standard uh, boilerplate stuff here. We're going to go through a breakout for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end for each of us. Um, we're just going to give you one guy each and and let you know who we are, who we are excited and think is poised to have a, a big season this year. So I'll start us off and go Sweet. with uh, my quarterback here. My, uh, my guy QB this season, I've talked about him on a previous pod, but he's my true my guy, and that is Tom Brady, Tommy Boy. Uh, he is going to have a nice year in his second season in the Bucks offense. He balled out last year with his 4,600 yards, 40 TDs, and 12 INTs. Every QB gets better in the Bruce Arian scheme in the second year. Carson Palmer in 2014 had six games with Bruce Arians. Before he got injured, they were 6-0, had 1,626 yards, 11 TDs, three INTs, and 95.6 passer rating in his second season. And in his third year, when he had a full full season, he was 4,671 yards, 35 TDs, 11 INTs, and 104.6 passer rating. Those numbers are crazy, and Tom Brady is significantly more talented and has a much better, much better history than uh, Carson Palmer. So he's going to put up great numbers this year, especially with the 17 games. I'd expect him to go well over 5,000 yards potentially uh, if he uh, can, can hit his uh, max ceiling. And my, he's got some great wide receivers and tight ends. I mean, his offense is as good as it gets in the league. He's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and his tight ends are Gronk and O.J. Howard. They added Giovanni Bernard as a third down passing back. Everyone knows Gio is a solid pass catcher. And Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones aren't too shabby either. Ronald Jones is a great runner, and Leonard Fournette's kind of a mix of the two. So they're going to get it done. And Bruce Arians just loves to chuck the ball around the field. He throws the ball like crazy. The guy does not care to run it. He'd rather throw the ball every single play if he could. In 2018, they were fourth in pass attempts per game at 39.1. 2019, fourth again in pass attempts per game at 39.4. And last season, they were seventh in pass attempts per game at 38.2. That's just clear historical evidence that Bruce Arians is going to sling the rock this year. He's going to put all of his trust in his uh, Hall of Fame quarterback to get it done and help, help hopefully get them deep into the playoffs and potentially another Super Bowl run. And he's just the GOAT. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. You cannot go wrong there. I know some people might be worried that, you know, he's going to be 44 this season and no QB's ever done that. And then they're right. But Tom Brady's just different. The guy's just (laughs) different. And go ahead and take advantage of that. Get Tom Brady at the ADP he's going at. Get him at the back end of the QB1 group and just wait on your quarterback. I know he doesn't run the ball, but he's a great QB at QB sneaks. He is one of the best QBs of all time at getting the ball in from the one or two yard line. I don't know what it is. He just knows how to read those D lines and find that gap. He gets in there all the time. He's probably going to be good for, you know, two to four rushing touchdowns this year to pad the stats. So 
Go get Tom Brady going at ADP QB9. That is great value. Get Tom Brady in the, you know, somewhere between round seven, round, round nine. He will be a solid quarterback for your team and gives you the flexibility to go and get those running back wide receivers and a solid one of the top six tight ends to make sure you're not stuck with one of the back end scrubs at the tight end position. So I love the Tom Brady value. He's going to be my, my guy quarterback this season. Yeah, I love Tom. I mean, he's an alien, right? I mean, we all thought he was done four years ago and he's still better than everybody else except for Mahomes. So, (laughs) um, and we know quarterbacks get better in the Bruce Arian system the second year. That's pretty much happened every single time. He has an amazing receiving core and tight ends and a good O-line. You know, let's say, okay, his arm starts to fall off like Breezes did last year, and maybe Big Ben started to look like he was doing before this preseason, although it looks like it's back. Um, Okay, well, then you have Antonio Brown, Godwin, and two tight ends that can all service in the short yardage range. And then, obviously, Mike Evans is a great goal line target, so – I don't necessarily even think he has to go deep to be productive. No, no, he doesn't. I mean, he's just got weapons all around the field. Like you said, Mike Evans, I mean, he was kind of a – there was a little joke going around in fantasy last year. He was the one-yard, one-catch, one-touchdown guy just catching (laughs) passes at the one-yard line. I mean, Brady just knows how to get it done. And You know, I love A.B. as a value. He's a sneaky, sneaky guy to get a bunch of receptions, and Brady loves him. So getting that extra weapon for a full season this year – it's just – it's only going to help Tom out. So, yeah, love Tom Brady this year. Everybody go go scoop him up late in drafts. So, Josh, who, is, sure. your, who is your my guy quarterback for 2021? <clears throat> well, I figured I could only have one Cowboy on my my guys list. It would be <laughs> bad if they were all Cowboys. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, we're going to start with Dak Prescott. Um, there's a couple of reasons. Let's just start with – in four games that he actually played the full game, obviously we know what happened last year. His, his leg literally blew up. Yeah, it was um, a gruesome injury. And obviously being concerned about that makes sense. But anyone can get injured. I'm just going to try and act like that's not going to play a part. He looked really good in camp besides his shoulder, and that's a totally different injury. Don't really care if it's totally separated, right? Right. Um, so with Dak in his four games last year, he was on track for right under 6,100 passing yards in 16 games. Now, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> like, I don't think he was going to throw for 6K, but, I mean, oh, no, he threw for 5,500 yards. Damn. like that's I mean, if he threw for 5,500, he's breaking the record. And last season, in those games he was playing, he was by far the top-scoring fantasy quarterback. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, so obviously, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a red flag, right? He only had nine touchdowns in those games. I mean, as we all know, touchdowns fluctuate between games, between defenses and between situations. Um, But the other bright side now, again, he might not do it as much this year. He was on track for 12 rushing touchdowns last year. Yeah. So he has rushing upside if he still wants to do that. If not, oh, no, he has to sling it and find one of the four awesome guys he can get the ball to in the end zone. I don't think he's really in a bad spot. He has elite receivers, and he has three receivers better than anyone on the Jets, for example. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just have a ton of talent in the receiving room. And then Blake Jarwin, we've talked about before. 
He's a really big athlete. He's played well when he's been healthy. And Dalton Schultz wasn't bad either. I think healthy, our defense still isn't going to be great, right? There's going to be a lot of games where he's going to have to throw it a right. lot to keep us in. And they're young. They're um, young. Yeah. So, obviously, I'm not saying he's going to throw for 6,200 yards and have 50 touchdowns or whatever, right? But right. I just really love him as a guy because I think he's going to throw for a ton of yards no matter what. I think he's going to have at least 35-plus TDs. And he's going to be able to rush a little bit, maybe not as much, but still, I think he's yeah. a really high upside guy. And then his floor, unless he gets hurt, obviously, which caveat, but his floor is still what, you know, almost 5K yards total and then 35 TDs like on the low end. Yeah. Like if you combine everything. So he's still going to produce. I mean, he's locked and loaded. His floor, his floor is a quarterback one. So – Dak is is a great, great uh, high ceiling, high floor type of quarterback. And since he's on your my guy list, I know you think he could – he definitely has the potential to finish as the quarterback one in fantasy if he continues to use his legs. I think he mm-hmm. will. I don't I, – I think you're right. Maybe he won't have an enormous amount of yardage. You know, maybe he'll hover around like 400 yards or so. But – if you look at Josh Allen's stats, he only gets about like 400 yards rushing, but he runs in like eight touchdowns this season. I think Dak definitely has that upside. Like you said, he was on pace for 12 TDs last year. He had three rushing touchdowns, I think, in one game last season before he got hurt. He is a great, great quarterback. I think that some people are sleeping on him. I mean, he's going probably in that top seven QBs, um, but still I would take him as my rank him as my fifth quarterback with room to potentially be the quarterback one. I take him right there with Russell Wilson. I personally have Dak ahead of Russell Wilson. I know some people have Russell Wilson ahead of Dak, but I think that with the offense they play and the weapons he has, he has more upside than Russell Wilson. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Well, and another thing with Dak is Kellen Moore said this offseason that he's seen the analytics. He knows that Dak is amazing in red zone runs. Um, he's one of the most efficient and proficient quarterbacks in the entire league at scoring in the red zone if you give him the attempts. Um, and those really aren't high danger rushes, right? You're not like out right. in the open field getting cleaned like you're following somebody or you're falling forward, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's got the size. I don't think we're going to totally shy away from that. I still think he's going to be a red zone threat there. Yeah. Um, and I know Zeke's going to get more touches this year for sure because I don't think we want to be so pass heavy when our defense is really young and really more built on trying to create plays. We'll see if they can. Um, but knowing that we don't have a great defense, defense, teams are going to score a lot. We're going to have to score a lot that just feeds into Dak and Dak also is really good on early downs. Kellen Moore knows that and uses him on early downs. I think that um, he has potential to put up insane numbers, kind of like Drew Brees back in the day when they'd go like eight and eight, but he'd have like 4,800 yards and 40 TDs. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. He's, he's definitely got the upside to do it. And you're right. Zeke will get fed the rock this year. They're going to give him the ball. I mean, he's got that massive contract. They're going to, they're going to utilize their workhorse. But Zeke is a great pass catching back, and he's been getting a lot more looks in the passing game these past couple seasons. So 
I think that Zeke is a good bet to be around 60, potentially pushing for 70 receptions like he had uh, with Dak, not last season, but the season before. So those yardage are going to go to Dak as well. And in the red zone, Zeke is a great, great red zone back. But you they utilize that read option knowing that, you know, they're going to key on Zeke when they get inside the five. And every now and then, Dak's going to pull that and just walk into the end zone. Like you said, there's no injury risk right there. He's just going to walk right in. And they're probably, you know, if they want to stay away from it, just don't, don't have him run some sneaks in there. Just give him on a, you know, roll out, get, get on the outside. And if he sees a lane, just dive into the end zone, get six. Right. So yeah, I love Dak. I think he's a a great pick this year. Um, So yeah, get some Dak Prescott. If you're taking an early quarterback, you don't want to, you know, you want to wait an extra round. You can definitely, you know, maybe maybe pass on Kyler, Josh Allen, and Lamar, and wait one more round to get Dak later. I think that's a that's a great call there. <clears throat> yeah, and the last thing on Dak is clearly just by roster moves, the medical staff's really confident in him because our backup is just Cooper Rush. That's all we have. And right, he's not good. I don't know if you've seen him play. That's true. No, he's um, not good. And that's true. They let go of uh, Danucci. I do think that they – now, this doesn't mean anything, so don't, don't yeah. hear what I'm not saying here. This guy's not good either. But I do think that the Cowboys claimed Will Greer today. So they yeah, added a did. little bit of depth. Um, but, again, like you said, both of those guys are bad. So they definitely have the confidence. They've just been playing it safe with Dak. He had, you know, he tweaked his shoulder. Nobody needs to worry about that. If you've been watching yeah, hard yeah. knocks, everyone watching hard knocks, you can tell they are confident Dak is going to be a okay for week one and, and moving, you know, past that. So Dak's really running the old okay. uh, Colts mentality of if Peyton gets hurt, we're fucked. If Dak gets hurt, we're fucked. Yeah, so, exactly, exactly, exactly. You know what that looks like. So just why, why play, play him in the preseason? Yeah. Maybe he needs a little time in week one to get going against the Bucs. I mean, it's a tough defense. So maybe don't expect like massive numbers in week one since he didn't play in the preseason at all. He's got to get his feet wet. But that doesn't mean he can't put up those numbers in week one. And really that's just one week and he'll still produce yeah. in that week as well. So, yeah, Dak Prescott, that's a that's a great my guy pick for this season. Um, so my favorite, well, this is one of my favorite players in fan- fantasy this year. I love this guy so much. I think he's going to absolutely ball out with Justin Herbert in the Los Angeles Chargers this season. And that guy is Austin Eckler. Give me some mm. Austin Eckler this season. I love Austin. Mm. He is the best pass catching back in the NFL. That's my opinion. I love Alvin Kamara to death, and I love these guys. But I think Austin Eckler is just ridiculous in the passing game. In 2019, he had 108 targets, 92 receptions, 993 yards, eight touchdowns. This number is crazy right here, 10.8 yards per reception. For a running back, that is just ridiculous. That just shows how good he is. And the seasons in 2018 and 2017, and those seasons he was averaging over 10 yards of reception then too. So he had three straight seasons over 10 yards of reception. And then last season, you know, he had the injury, first season with Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert, and at the the first game of the season he had Tyrod Taylor, who didn't throw him the ball at all because Tyrod just doesn't really know what he's doing. But he had 65 targets, 54 catches, 403 yards, two TDs at seven and a half yards of reception in only 10 games. 
he's going to get a bunch of volume this year. He is an excellent, excellent receiving target for Herbert, and Herbert loved him when he played. In five games last year, five of those games that he played with Herbert, he had 11 targets, 16 targets, nine targets, nine targets, and seven targets. That's massive receiving volume for a running back, and and we all know receiving – work is much more valuable than rushing opportunity for a running back. You definitely need to have that rushing work as a back, but he's going to get the, get more looks this year. He was getting 15 plus carries a game last season. You know, even after he came back from the injury, he was, he was looking at about 15 carries a game. If you get him 15 carries a game and potentially like six to nine targets a game this guy is going to ball out he's super efficient with his touches and the chargers just they only got better on the offensive line their offensive line was atrocious last season he still put up top eight fantasy numbers when he was on the field they added ray sean slater in this past draft past draft who is a left tackle and he is he's going to be solid and they added Corey Lindsley a stud center in the offseason so their o-line just got a whole lot better and you're looking at not any competition in that backfield i know that they don't want to overwork eckler he's a smaller guy weighing at about like 200 205 pounds but he is a very powerful back for his size and the backups are Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly Justin Jackson is a very, very poor man's Eckler. So why would they put the poor man Eckler on the field when you got the real guy? And Joshua Kelly last season was horrible. He was terrible. He looked like he was going to be okay. You know, week one, he had like 60 yards on 12 carries and a couple catches. And everyone's like, okay, maybe this guy's going to do something with Eckler. But no, the guy was bad. He was really bad last season. They are going to give Eckler as many touches as they possibly can this season. And Herbert will dump it down to him. Dump Herbert, no, he utilizes his top pass catching options. He targeted the hell out of Keenan Allen last season, and he's going to target Austin Eckler as well with Keenan Allen. He knows that he needs to get his playmakers the ball. So he's going to get looks and he's going at ADP RB 10. I think that is really, really good value. Eckler is going at the back end of the first round or the, you know, early part of the second round. This is why I'm not scared to be at the back end of a fantasy draft at the moment, because I'll take Eckler all day long. I have Eckler as my RB six this season. I think he's going to just produce. He is one spot for me behind Zeke. I love Zeke to death. I just took him in our last draft, Josh, at five. I wish that I, I, quite frankly wish I drew a little bit later of a pick because I take Zeke ahead of Eckler simply because Zeke's going to get a lot more carries. I mean, the guy's going to get fed the rock and he has, he's a goal line back. Eckler is not exactly a goal line back. So I think Zeke's, Zeke has the potential to score upwards of like 14 touchdowns, right? Like he gets into the end zone a lot and Eckler it's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to get into the end zone. That's why I have Zeke ahead of Eckler, but it is really close for me. I love Eckler. People, if you are drafting in the back end of the first round, take Austin Eckler. I think it is just great value for a guy that could no joke finish as the RB1 this season in fantasy football. I had the number one pick in our draft, um, and honestly, I kind of hated it. Being in the back of the first round, you have the ability to get two good running backs. Yeah. When you're in the top, you don't. There's a huge drop-off once you get to your next pick. 
and then you're looking at like maybe RB2s. Um, Eckler's awesome. You take him at the back end, you get Eckler, and maybe you get like a Chubb or someone else like that. Right, exactly. And you have a really, really, really solid running back core. Eckler is going to get a ton of targets. You know, one of the things I love about him so much is that the uh, safety valve of Hunter Henry, gone. Who's the other safety valve for him? Well, Keenan Allen is on third downs, right? Because he can get open right. in deep ways, right? But when we're looking at, like, the rush is coming, he's just got to check down, Eckler's open. Eckler in, can make plays. And then the other piece I like for Eckler, and I think they're going to work on incorporating more of it, is we all have seen Justin Herbert's arm, right? He can bomb it. Um, more wheel routes and ways to get Eckler down the field, I think is something that they are going to incorporate more of because Mike Williams isn't a great separator. I, I like him as a receiver, but he doesn't separate. Keenan Allen, awesome elite route runner. But again, trying to get more of the like unique separation pieces, that's something Eckler can definitely provide. Yeah. Um, so I like Eckler a lot this year. He's one of my highest rated backs. Um, I, I, I think that's a great pick for your guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just going to, he's going to get a lot of volume. Like you said too. I mean, Mike Evans, I, he really is a great wide receiver. The guy just can't stay healthy. And like you said, he's not an elite yeah. separator by any stretch. The guy makes contested catches and Mike Williams has a very extensive injury history because he just, the guy jumps like 50 feet in the air and just falls yeah. like so brutal to the ground. Like I, he has to find a way to not do that, but that's just his playing style. And because of that, there's a good chance Williams is going to miss some games. And in those games too, Eckler's just going to eat up the extra passing work along with Keenan Allen. Herbert loves his top options and Eckler is going to get all of that work. I cannot stress it enough. He is probably my favorite fantasy player this season. I want as much exposure as I can to Austin, Austin Eckler and everybody else should get on board with that. He is going to, Definitely, definitely outproduce his whatever he's going at, like RB10 or 12 a lot of the time. he he. I think he's just, you know, one of the safest picks in fantasy with one of the largest ceilings to go along with it. Yeah, I love Eckler. Um, obviously, their line's way better. Um, yeah. I actually had Rashawn Slater as my number one tackle in the class. I know everyone loved Panay Sewell. When you watch Panay Sewell's tape, He's really raw, and that's been shown out so far, right? Yes. Yeah. It's not that I think he's a bust or anything like that, but he's a project, and he always was. He has right. unbelievable physical skills, but sometimes he gets beat, and NFL players know how to abuse shit like that, whereas yeah, Slater exactly. took Chase Young and manhandled him for four quarters. Um, if you go back and watch Northwestern play Ohio State. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so Slater, I really, really loved coming out. I don't think he has the same upside as Sewell. I get that. But when they got Slater, I was like, that's like a career-changing pick for Herbert because now yeah. he's got his left tackle. Completely I mean, agree. Completely agree. Slater's going to come in, and he's ready now. So that's just going to help them out that much more. Getting a guy like Corey Lindsley as a center is huge. I think they have a great O-line now moving forward as compared to last season when they were legitimately ranked dead last in the NFL for uh, O-line. So that's huge. And they added some competency to the guard slots. None of them are very good, but none of them are horrible. No, they're mediocre guys that get the job done, right? So, And as we all know with O-line, we kind of found out that you need more than one good player. You need a lot of okay ones. 
Um, Because as long as you're not getting bullied at any one spot, then you can typically do a lot with that. But when you have one big weakness, defenses will just abuse it all game. So adding confidence is huge for them. I think it's huge for Eckler. I think it's huge for uh, Herbert. And then it's huge for my guy receiver. But we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, (laughs) completely agree. Completely agree. Austin Eckler is going to ball out this year. Go take him. Go take him early. I would take him as my in, at six in a fantasy draft. Some people that might be too rich for them, but I would do it. So I think everyone else should just just be confident in draft Austin Eckler. Don't be worried about it. Who would is you your, take Eckler over Saquon? Yes, yeah, I would. Okay. I would take Eckler over Saquon. I think that Saquon has you know Saquon's a baller, right? But there's a lot going on with him. There's a lot of unknowns. I mean, if we knew that yeah. Saquon Markley was going was 100% fully healthy and the Giants had, you know, maybe didn't look as bad as they do now. Their O-line is horrible. They don't have a lot of weapons around them. So, it's going to be tough sledding for Saquon and Saquon what he got a lot more targets when Eli Manning was the quarterback with Daniel Jones. Yeah. It's just, it's a bit, it's a lot bigger of a drop off than people think. I think Saquon is potentially the most talented back in the league. Right. Um, and if you were fully healthy, that would be a lot, you know, it'd be tough to say, you know, yeah, I take him over Saquon, but right now there are quite a few guys I'm willing to take over Saquon because I think Saquon is, is, he could just absolutely explode, right? He's the type of guy that can do it, but he is a very risky play in my mind. For sure. Yeah. I think Saquon, if he's healthy, you know, maybe we look up at the end of the year and he has 2,200 rushing yards and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. But, um, again, it's the huge health concern. Their O-line sucks. I think he's good enough that he can overcome that, like very few backs can. But the target share won't be there because Daniel Jones is one bad and two doesn't want to check down to him. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I'm good with taking Eckler over him. I just yeah. kind of wanted to kind of think. Yeah, about no, that. that's a good. That was a good question. I, that that was really good. People should know that. I mean, I would take Eckler over him, and I know some people. It's going to be tough to want to pull that trigger as early as that. So I understand. But if you are late in the first round, just just grab him. Put him on your roster. He's going to play great this season. So. Love Austin Eckler. Who is your my guy running back, Josh? <clears throat> my guy has recently became my guy again. I had him last year. I think he's in a phenomenal back. It's James Robinson. Um, I think the Jaguars offensive line got better. I think Trevor Lawrence's ability to stretch defenses as well as an improved receiving core gives him a little more space to work with. And also Urban Meyer doesn't like just throw the ball game long. He does actually like to have a balanced attack, right? right. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of RPOs in that offense, a lot of read option. I think they're going to, like, kind of create through the running back, if that makes sense, right? Like, a lot of options to get him the ball. Um, and there's not a lot of competition anymore, right? Etienne was the reason I was off of him. Etienne's a phenomenal back, but now he's probably going to be out the whole year. Maybe he can make it back at the very end, but – Highly doubtful that he's he's, yeah. he's going to be out the whole year. Yeah, list Franks are bad. I yeah. would be shocked if he can come back from that. Um, in the, in, it's a, in all he's likelihood, the Jaguars are going to be bad. So mm-hmm. why would they bring back their first round pick yeah. if they have no shot at the playoffs? You know, so yeah. I doubt he comes back, even if he maybe could. Right. 
And I'm not saying they have a good O-line. It's not good. It's just better than it was last year. They picked up some guys that I think are going to be okay. Um, and then Trevor, I think going like from a wild card quarterback like Minshew to a guy who really knows how to run an offense and really like understands how to lead actually matters for this because Lawrence really is kind of inherent leader, right? We've seen it over and over right. again. He knows how to settle guys down. He knows how to control the pace of a game. Um, he's going to have his ups and downs this year. They don't have a like really great receiving core or anything like that, but I think James Robinson himself is going to do really well, especially in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah, no, James Robinson, that's a that's a good pick. I I will ask you this, play a little devil's advocate here. So people have been talking about this, you know, Urban Meyer, again, he the Jaguar situation right now is a little a little odd. It's a little up in the air. Urban Meyer's been fairly suspect thus far in the mm-hmm. preseason, in the offseason. He's made some questionable coaching hires. And, you know, he just doesn't really seem like he knows what he wants to do at this point. But I love James Robinson as a player. They got balled out last year. I had him in fantasy too. He was a great running back, undrafted free agent. The dude is very talented. They do have Carlos Hyde, which some people seem to be scared of. I'm not saying I'm one of those people that is, but I do want to ask you, are you worried at all that, you know, because James Robinson had like 90 something percent of all the touches in the backfield last season that with Carlos Hyde, maybe that number is going to decrease. And if it does decrease, do you think that that is going to impact his fantasy output this season? Well, I think Urban Meyer obviously has got some questions, right? He hasn't looked great so far. Um, but I don't think he's like football dumb, right? I think he's right. done some really innovative stuff throughout his career. Um, and he likes to win, right? That's the big thing. Yeah. Every time he starts to lose, he quits his job. Um, <laughs> well, the Jacks are going to lose a lot this year, so I hope he's okay. But yeah. um, he knows that James Robinson's a way better back than Carlos Hyde, right? As soon as he starts giving Hyde the ball and he's getting like 2.3 a carry, he's going to stop giving him the ball. Yeah. Hyde just... I don't know. He doesn't scare me very much. He's also injury prone, whereas James Robinson had 90% of the share last year and wasn't someone who got hurt. Um, I think he just, at least in my perspective, I imagine that he would just use the value of having an undrafted free agent running back and just like run him into the ground and be like, oh no. We gave yeah, him 350 no, that, touches. Damn. Now we right. have to give Etienne the ball more. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, see, that makes sense right there. He drafted Etienne, and I know Etienne is hurt right now, but he's going to, he knows he's going to have him back next year and he should be fully healthy. So why not just, you know, run all the tires, just wear it down, wear down James Robinson and feed him the rock as much as you can. Because like you said, he's a lot better than Carlos Hyde. So I'm personally not really worried about that. I do think that the workload's going to go down from last season. So I wouldn't expect to say like, okay, James Robinson has that top 10, top, maybe, you know, maybe top, you know, top five, top eight upside Mm -hmm. as he did last season, but he is a great, I think, you know, what you're saying, he's a, he's a really good value in drafts, right? Like he's still, I think going in like round four, maybe pushes into round three every now and then if it's a smaller league or I mean a bigger Mm -hmm. league, but in a smaller draft, like, you know, if it's like 
12 to 16 teams, he, he's going to push up, right? He's, he's going to be in the third round. But more than likely, people are going to be drafting 10 to 12. And, that, and in 10 to 12, he's going more like round four. So I think that's really good value for sure. Now, I do want to ask you, what are some backs you would take James Robinson over? Like, would you take him over David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, um, Chris Carson, and the uh, newly awarded starter for the Ravens, Gus Edwards? I would take him over everyone you just said, but Gus Edwards. I think him and Gus Edwards, I look at pretty similarly. Um, And I might even take him over Gus, because even though I love the Gus bus, I think the Gus bus is going to be extremely productive on his touches. We know the Ravens won't let him just tote the rock all year at an 85 plus percent snap share. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, Exactly. Whereas I think James Robinson's going to get a ton of touches. I don't think Carlos Hyde's very scary at all. It's kind of like um, with Gibson and uh, JD McKissick over in uh, Washington, like, Oh no, JD McKissick. Yeah, uh, just gonna give Antonio Gibson the ball. <laughs> yeah, like, you're gonna they're gonna feed uh, the more talented guy and give him the work. Yeah, and like I, James Robinson mm-hmm. is going to catch significantly more passes than Gus Edwards. Yeah. Gus Edwards will have to make it up sure. in the end zone, which he can do. There's no doubt about it. Baltimore scores a lot of points. And they're super efficient, but I think that James Robinson is probably a safer bet for volume like you said, especially in that passing game. So, And we know he can produce behind that O-line last year, which was worse. So I don't see why he can't produce behind a better version of it with a better QB. I think their offense still can be a mess, and he produces regardless. And it probably will be a mess, and he produces regardless, kind of like Joe Mixon and Cincy. Um, yeah. I have my own thoughts on Joe Mixon, but he gets drafted way higher than James Robinson, so it doesn't really matter. Right, right, right. Yeah, Joe Mixon is going to get a ton, a ton of volume. And he's probably more like he's a really talented guy. You know, Mixon's just let some people down in the past. But like you said, yeah, I mean, if you're just if you want to take a wide receiver, wait a little bit and and get James Robinson. I think that I think that makes sense. So I like that. If he's your RB2, that's not horrible. If he's your flex, you're loving every minute of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, so my, my guy, wide receiver, this guy, I talked about him, you know, previously in our breakouts, he is an absolute stud. That dude is scary. Terry, Terry McLaurin. My biggest reason to start off is Fitzmagic is in town. He is the Washington starting quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick Loves his receivers, produces wide receivers for fantasy. Can't stress that enough. In 2015, Brandon Marshall was wide receiver three. Eric Decker, wide receiver 15. 27th and 2018, Mike Evans had more PPR points per game with Fitz at 17.3 than without him at 14.7. And in 2019, Devontae Parker scored a career high of 15.4 fantasy points per game. And at that point, Devontae Parker was pretty much written off as a complete bust. So he revived upon Devontae Parker's career when he was in town. He's super talented with a 4-3-5, 40-yard dash, 18 reps of the bench, and a 37-and-a-half-inch vertical leap. And the guy finished as wide receiver 21 in 2020 with horrible quarterback play. And in the first part of the season, he was a top 10 wide receiver until he ended up having two ankle sprains last year, which is extremely difficult to play through. And Alex Smith, 
as good of a quarterback and as much as I love Alex Smith as a guy, he doesn't throw the ball deep. So, you know, those, he, he wasn't really getting those opportunities to get big plays. He wasn't having high value targets. They were underneath throws. So his points per game went down, which caused him to finish at wide receiver 21. And he also had a really low touchdown rate. It was a 2.9% TD rate on his targets. He only had, I think, like four TDs last season. The guy is going to score somewhere between seven and potentially double-digit touchdowns this season. He's a great wide receiver. And he had great stats his first two years as a pro. And as a rookie, 93 targets, 58 catches for 919 yards and seven touchdowns. Those are excellent numbers for a rookie. And last year, 134 targets, 87 catches, 1,118 yards and four TDs. Again, like I said, those TDs are going to go up. The targets, you know, maybe it'll go up like 10. Obviously, with the extra game, it's going to go up. So he's probably going to be looking at, you know, 140, 150 targets this season at a minimum. The guy's going to get a bunch of looks, and he's going at ADP wide receiver 10, which is a, you know, back-end wide receiver one. But I am still in on Terry McLaurin. I think he is a great wide receiver who, who can finish as a wide receiver one. And he has the potential to be a top five guy if Bitsy looks his way and if he can push those TD numbers up. So I love Scary Terry this season. I love Scary Terry. Um, again, he terrifies me. That's not going to change anytime soon. Um, one of the things I love about him is the guys you just listed – the only one who's really even a separator is Brandon Marshall. And he wasn't really that with the jets. Right. right. So um, scary Terry actually gets separation. Obviously he's great at the catch point. He is a go up and get the ball guy for sure. But he also has that speed and does burn guys. It's not like he's always contested. It's just, he has the ability to make those catches as well. Um, his red zone numbers are going to have to get better. Like he's going to score more. Like there's just no way he doesn't. Right. Um, and I honestly kind of see him as a guy, you know, Fitz likes the slant. He's really good at hitting that like on time and on target. Scary Terry should be devastating at that. Right. Cause he's got a quick first step. He's really strong. He can take one hit, take two hits and score still. He's someone who I think can kind of dominate even if his targets go down a little bit, which I don't think they will, I think they'll go up. I know Curtis Samuel is a better receiver than they had as their two last year. I don't really think that matters that much. Um, I really like Scary Terry. I think he's going to produce. Um, you know, I guess if I'm thinking of who, like, would you take him over, like, I'm trying to think of a guy that I think of in the same ilk. Uh, would you take him over Justin Jefferson? No, no, I wouldn't take him over okay. Justin Jefferson. So here, let me just, I'll do a quick rundown here of my wide receivers. So I'll start where you had Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson for me is my wide receiver six this season. He's just okay. extremely talented. I love Justin Jefferson. Yep. Then right after that, I got my boy Keenan Allen, who I also love. Then mm -hmm. DK Metcalf and then Terry McLaurin at my wide receiver nine. So I love Terry okay. McLaurin. I would consider him around like with DK that's close for me, but DK is just in, you know, he he's going to get an enormous amount of touchdowns mm -hmm. and he's, you know, pushes around like 80 to 90 receptions with, with like 13 to 1400 yards. So DK is probably just a little bit safer of a bet with a better quarterback, but Terry McLaurin, sure. I would take him over Allen Robinson. I'd take him over AJ Brown and I'd take him over CD lamb. 
those are the guys I'll take him over. But I probably I have him at wide receiver nine, so he still is a top. He's a great wide receiver that I think is more than valuable for to be a wide receiver one on your team. And I personally am a guy who doesn't want to leave a draft without a bunch of running backs that are in my top 15 backs, because I just think there's a big tier break when you get past those guys. So I like to go running back heavy at the beginning of a draft, and I'm more than happy to get Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver one if that's how it shakes out for you in a draft. <clears throat> Yeah, Scary Terry can definitely – has wide receiver one upside, can definitely be a high-end wide receiver one if things break right. Fitzy's going to get him the ball. Um, I think that's probably right about where I'd have him. I might even have him above DK. Yeah. But I think that's right about where I'd have him, you know. Yeah. I like Justin yeah. Jefferson more. That's kind of why I asked. I wanted to see if those two were close for you. Yeah, they're close. Um, they're close, guys. I, I definitely wouldn't take him over Justin Jefferson. In that range, like, I agree with you. I am would am tempted to want – like, if I have that situation, again, I'm not going to be getting any any shares of DK Metcalf this year because DK mm-hmm. is going a lot higher so than Terry high. McLaurin. He's going very high, and I'm taking running backs in that range. So I won't be getting DK Metcalf. But when it comes down to it, I mean, sometimes Keenan Allen will fall a little bit because people don't don't see as much upside, even though I truly see upside with Keenan Allen. I absolutely love him. And Terry McLaurin, those are the two guys that, like, when it comes down, I would love to have, if you can get one of those two guys or even potentially mm-hmm. both of them, if you have back-to-back picks or you're, you know, at that swing somewhere around that, that uh, turn there in a draft, those two wide receivers are going to produce big numbers. And I think that's going to lead in to your my guy wide receiver, Josh. <laughs> Let's hear it. <clears throat> All right. So we've talked about him a little bit. Um, we've talked about his team already. It's Keenan Allen. Um, yeah. Keenan Allen is still one of the best route runners in the league. I know sometimes with fantasy guys, we kind of want to go, oh, DK Metcalf, he's newer. He's so exciting. Um, and he might produce more. I'm not saying that's not possible. The reason I love Keenan Allen so much, there's a few, but the biggest one is Justin Herbert's in year two. We know quarterbacks take a huge leap in year two. We know statistically it's extremely likely that he's going to be way better than he was last year. And he was, what, a top 15 QB last year? Yeah. Um, and he so was a QB makes one leap, last season. Yeah. yeah. So if he makes a leap and suddenly he's hovering like near Dak Prescott in terms of production – it's insanity for Keenan Allen, right? Oh, yeah. Because we know Mike Williams can get hurt. I don't really have, like, a great tight end room. They don't have depth at receiver after Mike Williams, really. And Keenan Allen gets open, even in double coverage. Um, you know, I know he only had, like, right under 1,000 yards last year. You know, obviously, there's a little bit of dicking or <laughs> dinging up, right, you know, every here <laughs> yeah. and there. But he is a really good receiver, I, I think there is a ton of upside there for him. He's going to get a ton of targets. He's like the ultimate like safety valve for Justin Herbert because he can go deep enough to get those touches, but also like has unbelievable hands, a great route runner. Um, and he really hasn't had a great QB in a few years. Like Phillip Rivers on the back end of his career really wasn't impressive and didn't do a whole lot to get him the ball. And he still produced, right. You know, 1400 yards, 1200 yards, 1200 yards. He's going to continue to produce like that. I believe this year, 
as Herbert takes that next step, gets more comfortable, has a better offense, has a better offensive line, gives him more time to get Keenan Allen the ball deeper down the field. Not saying that Keenan Allen's a burner, right? Right. But some, you know, when you have a really great route runner like that, sometimes those plays take time to develop. And Herbert can definitely has more time to actually sit back and get him the ball. Yeah. I everything you just said, I 100% agree. Keenan Allen is my favorite wide receiver this year. I love Scary Terry to death, but I would take Keenan Allen over Scary Terry every time because of the just absurd volume that guy is going to see. And he's the best route runner. I mean, he's definitely a top three route runner in the NFL. That guy's always open. And Justin Herbert, I said this with Austin Eckler, just peppers his top targets mm-hmm. with looks. He loves to give them as many opportunities as he can, as they can, as he can give them because he knows they're the best players on his offense. And quite frankly, they're just always open. So that's yeah. why I love Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, both of the Chargers top skill players this season, because they're super talented and they're going to have massive receiving volume. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be like right at 100 receptions, maybe a little more, but like no matter what, he's going to get that. He's pretty much gotten that every year since what, 2016 ish? Yeah. Uh, And that's not going to stop now, especially because Herbert, as I've already said, has more time to throw, is going to get better. Keenan Allen is going to get those targets. Obviously, him and Eckler are going to be the two biggest targets in that offense, I think. Um, and I want a piece of the Chargers offense because I think they're going to take a step up. Now, I don't know if they actually win a whole lot of games. They play in the hardest division, I think, um, to actually overtake. Um, I think they're going to put up big numbers. I like Keenan Allen a lot. I take him really high. I don't know if I'd take him – I'd probably take him near, like, receiver four, five, six, somewhere in that range. Um, if, I, if like it came to it. Yeah, I would take him right now. I mean, in my rankings, I have him one spot behind Justin Jefferson, but if push yep. came to shove, depending on how my team is looking, depending on the running back I selected, mm-hmm. if I have more of a risky running back in the first round, you know, I would, or, you know, first round, second round, whatever it may be, I would absolutely consider taking Keenan over Justin Jefferson. The only guy that I, these are the guys that I would, I would still draft over him is Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and DeAndre Hopkins. Those are the only guys that I would draft for sure over Keenan Allen. Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen for me are neck and neck. Um, I, those are a toss up. I think that Justin Jefferson is just going to get more yards per reception, whereas Keenan Allen is just going to get more receptions. Right. So I think that they're Mm -hmm. right next to each other. They're pretty much equal in my ranking. So I absolutely love Keenan Allen. I think that is a smash my guy selection for 2021. As long as, you know, he stays healthy, which he probably will. People think that he might be, have a little bit of an injury tag, but that's not exactly true. Like he got hurt really bad at the beginning of his career. Since then, he's pretty much been on the field for 16 yeah. games every year. He might miss have missed a couple games last season, but they weren't, you know, serious injuries, yeah. just nicked up a bit, just like everybody else in the league typically gets mm-hmm. a little nicked up and misses sometimes. So love Keenan Allen, love that my guy selection. My my guy tight end this year. I think this guy is going to have 
massive volume this year. He plays for a horrible team, but that is okay for a tight end. It is no big deal. The guy's going to get peppered with looks, and that is TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson. Hawk. Yeah, give me some Hawk, man. This guy is going to get crazy looks. So there is an extreme lack of wide receiver depth for the Detroit Lions. And that just equals <laughs> that just equals massive volume. They paid Brashad Perryman some pretty decent money to come in and they just cut the guy. They paid him and said, no, we'd be better off without you on our roster. So take your money and run. We don't even want you on the field. Okay. With that being said, their wide receiver one is Tyrell Williams. That is a bad wide receiver one. The guy for fantasy will get some looks, so maybe as a late-round pick, get Tyrell Williams, but he is not good for a top wide receiver, and the guy is not a possession guy. He's only going to catch – he's more just a deep threat type of type of guy when he played with Phillip Rivers back in the day. He's only he's only going to catch me, you know, typically in his – In his uh, past, he's caught about like 60 to 70 catches at his max. So that's not great. We know uh, Jared Goff, huge arm, right? He could go really deep, right? Yeah. No, wait, no, he <laughs> no, he's, no. He's got tiny hands and a bad arm. That's exactly, right. exactly. And he's not going to have a lot of time to throw. So no. Tyra Williams, wide receiver one. Quintez Cephas is potentially their wide receiver two. Amon Ross, St. Brown wide receiver three or wide receiver two, any of these three next, these three guys I'm about to list can are interchangeable because they're all bad. Yeah. Quintess Sivas, Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond. I don't even know who that guy is. That's their wide receiver four potentially. That is horrible. So he is going, he is by far their best pass catcher. DeAndre Swift, if he's even healthy, the guy might not play in week one and he's dealing with some conditioning issues as well. Dan Campbell does not seem too hot to, hyped about DeAndre Swift at the moment. So DeAndre Swift is his, probably his biggest, tar, you know, competition for targets along with Tyrell Williams. I love that. Jared Goff loves to throw to his tight ends. He proved that with Tyler Higby. He was just dominant with him for a stretch. I talked about it on previous pods. Goff loves his tight ends. In this season, he doesn't have any wide receivers like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, and he doesn't have a Sean McVay in his ear to tell him where to throw the ball pre-snap. So where is Jared Goff going to go? He's going to go to his old reliable tight end, TJ Hawkinson. And TJ Hawkinson is a former top 10 draft pick. Everyone is talking about Kyle Pitts. He was picked like fourth or fifth overall this year. And Kyle Pitts is an insane athlete. Don't get me wrong. The guy is a generational tight end talent, best, best tight end prospect to ever come out. But TJ Hawkinson was a great prospect in his own right, and he was the eighth pick in the draft. That is just – they're going to give him the opportunity. He's a great player. Third-year tight ends, that is the breakout age. That is the breakout season for tight ends in in the NFL. So look for him to break out this year. And listen to this stat. This stat is nuts, okay? Second-year tight ends that have had 100-plus targets equals absolute greatness, okay? Do you want to hear these tight ends that were second-year players that ended up with 100-plus targets? Let me let me show you this list. So first, it's TJ Hawkinson, obviously. But then you have Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Gates, George Kittle, Jason Witten, Mark Andrews, Aaron Hernandez, Travis Kelsey, and then two guys – 
that some people might not know of, but Todd Heap and Chris Cooley, who were also very, very productive tight ends in their own right. Those, that is a long list of Hall of Fame tight ends. That's the list. That's it. Those are the only guys with 100 plus targets. All of those guys were dominant for fantasy football when they were playing. And a lot of them are still playing and they are killing it. So that is an insane stat for me that just demonstrates that Hawkinson is locked and loaded to ball out this year. And he was the tight end three in 2020 from weeks one through 14. He was within 30 points of Darren Waller. And like I said, he is, he has the same argument when a couple years ago before Darren Waller broke out and Darren Waller, people didn't really know about Darren Waller. You know, he wasn't some crazy prospect coming in. He's extremely athletic and he's, you know, got a better, more athleticism than TJ Hawkinson. Right. But it's the same argument. There is no other pass catching options. When Darren Waller was being selected late in drafts, it was because Derek Carr had no one else to throw the ball to. So that's the same thing for TJ Hawkinson. There are 300 vacated targets from 2020. They do not have anybody to take those targets and soak those targets up. That is going to go to TJ Hawkinson. A lot of that is going to go to TJ Hawkinson. That is going to equal a dominant target share for the Detroit Lions. He is look, he has the potential to have, you know, somewhere between 135, 140 targets this year if he's healthy. And that is not a joke. The guy is going to get a bunch of looks. I'll be shocked if he doesn't. He is just it, everything is is lined up and he's poised to have a breakout season. He's going at ADP tight end six, typically going about around in the, you know, going in the fifth round in fantasy football drafts. That's a great value. If he goes in the sixth round, an absolute auto pick if you can get him. The guy is going to get crazy volume. I want TJ Hawkinson this season. Yeah, I love Hawkinson. Um, He's really, really good at everything. Um, He's a really good blocker. He's going to be on the field all the time, right? Yes, exactly. He's going to want to get him the rock, especially with Panay Sewell struggling so far to block. They're going to need extra blockers in right? Goff does not have the ability to create on his own. What's the best type of safety valve, the tight end? Hawkinson's an amazing safety valve. He has great hands. He knows how to body off corners. He's honestly too big for most linebackers, too. Um, He's kind of a freak in that sense. He's not Gronk big, right? But he is huge. His frame's massive. Um, I like Hawkinson a lot, right? My comp for him coming out was Kittle, and I don't think that was, like, unique. A lot of people had that comp for him. People were really high on him. You know, I thought taking him at eight was rich. Um, I don't know if I would have done that, but um, they're going to get him the ball. He's really, really good. Um, he's going to be on the field literally all game long. Yeah. And goofball yes. sucks. And yeah. no one else really competing for exactly. targets. Exactly. So his his check down, his trustworthy option <clears throat> is going to be TJ Hawkinson. Jared Goff freaks <clears throat> out and he's going to throw it to Hawk, who's going to be open in the middle of the field. Like you said, he is a solid mismatch. He's just going to get a lot of looks. Jared Goff really does love his tight ends. And he, sure. Matthew Stafford really never was a tight end loving quarterback. No. He never did it. They drafted Eric Ebron early. We all know Ebron didn't really pan out that much. But TJ Hawkinson is significantly better than Ebron has ever been. And Stafford never really maximized either of these guys' potential. 
Now I did, I mentioned that stat. So he got him big, big yardage and TJ Hawkinson finished as tight end four last season. Now Kittle was hurt and some guys went down. Mm-hmm. So he had like, you know, 67 catches, 700 and some 723 yards or so and six TDs. But those numbers are likely to jump up significantly. I can see he had TJ Hawkinson to me is that tight end that really does have the opportunity to vault into a top three situation. I would not take him in the top three tight ends. I'm not saying that at all, but I think he Mm -hmm. absolutely has the chance to do so even in this bad offense, because he's going to get just so many opportunities. And like you said, I wouldn't have taken him at the eighth pick either, but guess what? The lions did it and they know Mm -hmm. that they have a talent there. So they're going to use him. Just give me TJ Hawkinson this season in that fifth or sixth round. It's great value for a guy that could potentially, you know, jump into those top, top tier tight ends. And he's going as the last tight end in that second tier, that Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson group. He's going last in that group. So I would just snag TJ Hawkinson and get him for the value you can because he is going to produce for your squad this year and he's an extremely safe option <clears throat> with Matt. Yeah, I like upside. Hawkinson a lot, right? When you look at the Lions receivers, Tyrell Williams, we talked about him before as a guy who's just gonna have to get targets, whether he does anything with them or not, I don't know. Um Quintess Cephas, if he was your fourth or fifth receiver, sure. Um he's in contention for receiver two. Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. Everyone that's seen his highlights are like, oh, that guy's sick. But if you watch him down to down, he's never open. The reason is he's slow and he's unable to separate. Um, I like Amon Ross St. Brown just fine. He's not Kenny Galladay Jr. like some people want him to be. Um, He might get some red zone targets away from Hawk, right? Because he has the ability to go up and get the ball for sure. Sure. But I don't think that's like something I'm really going to worry about when I'm looking at taking Hawk. I think he's just a really high upside guy with also a high floor because the targets have to go to somebody and he might be like the second best separator on the roster. Khalif Raymond's fast, but he doesn't really run routes. Um, so I, I don't know. I think he might be the second best separator and he's a huge safety valve. Um, right. I like Hawkinson a lot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you, you hit, it, hit it right there. I mean, high floor and a high ceiling. That is just – that equals excellence for fantasy because there's truthfully just such little, little risk involved. And you know at the very least he's going to finish in, in the top group of tight ends. And at his you know ceiling, he could legitimately finish in the top three with those – you know, tight ends being taken in the first two rounds of two first two rounds, the early, early third rounds of drafts. So get TJ Hawkinson late. He's a great value. All right, Josh, who is your my guy tight end this season? You know, we've talked about a lot of guys at tight end that we like or dislike. Um, you know, I actually went off brand and drafted Kyle Pitts in a draft. Um, you did happens. in our draft the I other day. <laughs> I did do that. Um, but the guy I'm going to pick here, it's George Kittle. Um, the reason I did that is I want someone in that San Francisco offense pretty bad because um, I think they're going to take a huge leap, even if Jimmy G plays a lot. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. They've been good when he's on the field, um, and he knows to get Kittle the ball, and he's good at getting him the ball. But let's say, like we think, by maybe the bye week, Trey Lance is coming in. 
Trey Lance and George Kittle will be a perfect connection. George Kittle doesn't care if he's covered. He doesn't care if it's a little bit overthrown or a little bit like wide. He's got a huge catch radius um, and he's got amazing hands. George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league. He is definitely not like way worse than Kelsey. The reason I had my soapbox last week with Kelsey is because Kelsey's remarkably consistent. Right. Um, so it's not necessarily that I think Kittle is like way below him. It's just I see more falls between them in that regard for fantasy purposes. But when we're talking about on the field, Kittle is an amazing tight end. Um, he's a monster in the red zone. He's a monster any way you get him the ball. Doesn't matter if you have three guys tackling him, he's going to fight forward and still get you know a couple extra yards. Um, and I want a piece of that San Francisco offense because I don't think they can be as hurt as they were last year. They're going to have to be yeah. healthier. Um, and even if Jimmy G goes down, oh, no, we have a way more, like, volatile but way high upside quarterback coming in with Trey Lance. Um, I want pieces of that offense because I think Kyle Shanahan is a really, really, really good offensive coach. Um, and he's had, I think it's like 67% of his um, games have been from the best one being RG3 post-injury and then right. the worst one being all the way down to, like, C.J. Beathard and a whole list of shitty quarterbacks in between. Um, <laughs> and no, he has not done great with shitty QBs, but I don't think anyone on earth can. Um, yeah. But when he's had Jimmy G or when he's had Matt Ryan, he has won a lot of games. Both of them got to the Super Bowl. I know that they both lost and maybe in embarrassing fashion, but it has nothing to do with fantasy. I don't give a shit how you lose in the Super Bowl. Exactly. I lost Who cares? My already. Yeah, um, exactly. exactly. So I think they're going to make a huge leap again this year, just like they did last time Jimmy G came back healthy. And this time you don't have to rely on Jimmy G staying healthy because their backup quarterback's probably going to take the job. Right. So, I want a piece of their offense. George Kittle is the best weapon in that offense. And I think he's going to still get a ton of targets. I know they've added some more receiver depth, but I don't think that really scares me at all. Um, Cause he just performs a different role in that offense. Yeah. So <clears throat> love George Kittle. He would be definitely the tight end. I take after Kelsey. I know people love Waller. I know people love Pitts. I think he's just a better tight end than them. And I think he also like, isn't going to get hurt again. Likely that doesn't seem like looking at his past career. It's not like he's hurt all the time. He just got hurt last year. Right. right. So I love Kittle. He's just a beast. So yeah, he's my no, next tight end I, after Kelsey. And again, as we know, there's a huge drop off at tight end. You know, I think Hawkinson's really good. But even when you get into that Hawkinson, Mark Andrews group, it's not like I love all those guys. Um, oh, there's, there's definitely. And then after that, it's horrible. It's basically oh, exactly. the only guy I like. Well, that's that, the, right. So. I agree with you there. It's you got to get, in my opinion, you just it's really important to get one of these top six guys. Um, but mm -hmm. there is a drop off for sure in what is considered guaranteed production at the tight end position. Mm -hmm when it comes to the, how skilled those top three guys are in Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller, they're just in, insane, right? That's why they're going in the top two rounds a lot of the time. Maybe sometimes they slip into the early third, but people are taking these guys over top-notch running backs and wide receivers sometimes because they are, you know, more guaranteed production and they give you, you know, that positional advantage in your fantasy league. So, I love Kittle. I mean, I think that he, you know, he's had some crazy good seasons. 
But could you imagine, I mean, if he hit double-digit touchdowns, right? Like, if he had 10 TDs, the guy would be putting up Kelsey-like numbers in fantasy. I'm not saying that's a lock. Like, no wide receivers in a Shanahan office offense typically have a lot of touchdowns because he does work his magic in the offensive uh-huh. scheme and, you know, move, you know, spreads the rock around and find ways to get into the end zone with some guys that, you know, the defense just doesn't expecting any, they're just wide open. Right. So he does a really good job at that, but if he were to do that, he would absolutely just dominate this season. He's already going to be a stud tied in this year. I love Kittle. He's a baller. Um, I was going to ask you if you take him over Waller. So I'm glad you answered that because I think Waller right now is going ahead of Kittle most of the time, but I think Kittle is a better player than Darren Waller. I know Darren Waller might get more targets, but George Kittle's targets are going to be more valuable coming in a Shanahan offense. And he gets his a dot his average depth of target is much higher than Darren Waller. It is one of the highest in the league across the board. He gets, he gets looks down the field for a tight end. Like he's just that, that talented. So I love George Kittle this season as well. He's going to produce. And I think that the only re- real reason he's not being considered in that spot with Kelsey is, A, he's in you know the Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes. And like you said, he's more consistent. And he doesn't have – Travis Kelsey is somewhat of an Ironman guy. He just doesn't get hurt. He's really never, never been injured. And Kittle does get nicked up. Like he was he hurt does. badly last season. So that was different. And in previous years, he has missed a few games here and there. He does get hurt a little bit because yeah, he's he always – yeah, because Kittle is asked to block. He's best blocking yes. tight end in the NFL. So Kittle – and he loves to do it. The guy loves to block. So he is in, you know, in the big scrum plays, just, you know, pushing the pile all the time. So it puts him in positions to potentially get injured more frequently. So I think that's the biggest reason there. But – um, those, those reasons why Kelsey is just that much more valuable than every other tight end. But I love Kittle. I think that's a great my guy selection. <clears throat> yeah, Kittle's super physical, and that can cause him to get dinged up. Um, you know, he's an Iron Man. He'll play if he's hurt. He doesn't give a shit. It's really only right. if he can't play. Um, or they tell him no, which definitely happens sometimes, right? Because you yeah, want to use exactly. him as a receiving weapon. They don't always want to use him as a decoy in like week 15 against the Jets, right? Yeah. Um, so I like Kittle a lot. I think the Shanahan offense is a real thing. When you go back and look at it, that's not just people spouting off. Everyone who's smart about football is really high on the Shanahan offense when he has a good QB. He has two QBs who have the ability to do it. And then the other thing with Kittle is that they attack the deep middle of the field with him specifically. Right. And um, – you can look at charts, right? But the most efficient place for a quarterback to target is the deep middle of the field, which that seems counterintuitive, Absolutely. right? Because their safety's there. But just the way that offenses it's, work these days, the safeties have to buy it on different areas. And that deep middle is a really valuable spot. And, um, and Kittle's one of the few guys who can take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's more, one of the most valuable spots because it's also the shortest distance for a quarterback to throw. Yep. People don't think about it. You you know, they think like, oh, they threw the ball 40 yards. If it's in the middle mm-hmm. of the field, yeah, it's 40 yards. But if you're throwing from the right hash on a corner mm-hmm. route 40 yards all the way to the left, you're throwing that ball across the field. That is a very long throw. So I, that's definitely, definitely true. Middle of the field, especially, you know, deep middle like that is a very – high um 
high completion percentage, you know, area to throw. So I completely agree. And when we say a guy can make every throw, that's really what we mean, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Can you stretch the field vertically and um, diagonally? Because mm-hmm. um, pretty much any NFL QB can throw deep middle. That's why it's a valuable spot. Right. Even Blake Bortles has made good throws there before. It's it's not like you have to be, yeah, exactly. um, you know, Patrick Mahomes to make that throw. But when we say, you know, Trevor Lawrence, so oh, he can make every throw, what we mean is that he can be under pressure, move up in the pocket, and then have to throw diagonally really what equates to – 35 to 40 yards on a 15 yard gain. Um, yeah. Just, just the way it's added up. Um, but Kittle attacks the defense in a way where it makes it really easy for the QB. So even if Trey Lance is struggling a little bit when he comes in, he's going to have that safety valve and Kittle's a guy who's not going to drop the ball. He's not going to like allow a pick. That sounds weird, but sometimes the receiver can be a little bit involved with that, and Kittle's not going to let the guy come up over and make yeah, a play. No, he never he'll play he defense when he has to. Get the ball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. So, yeah, Kittle, Kittle's a baller. <laughs> he's he's a great player. So, again, don't be afraid to, to take these top-tier tight ends. Um, go get you one of those guys. Get If you want to take one of the For sure. highest, you know, value tight ends or, you know, the guys that are just – top tier right get a kelsey get a waller get a kittle for sure get a kittle um and if you want to wait just a couple rounds go get tj hawkinson kyle pitts mark andrews make sure you leave a draft with one of those guys and in our opinions if you're taking a top tight end other than kelsey because he's potentially going in the first round and like right at the turn Mm -hmm. of the second get George Kittle, and in that next tier, get TJ Hawkinson. Those guys are going to produce and have the volume to put up big numbers this season. So. And then the last tier we've talked about it, it's Kasicki. That's the guy we Sure, exactly. Grant, yeah, if um, you wait on tight ends, go get Mike Kasicki. The guy's super talented and is going to get quite a few looks as well. So if you do, you know, as they say, punt the tight end position in a way, Wait till later and go get Mike Kosicki for sure. He's a great value as well. So the last thing I wanted to hit on, um, I know we don't have like the defense as an important piece. If you're going to try and get one that you want to actually draft and hold on to the one that I really love is the Redskins, or I'm sorry, the football team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reason for that, they have five elite defensive linemen. Montez Sweat's already developed quite a lot. Chase Young last year was one of the best edge rushers in the league. Typically, edge rushers like quarterbacks get better in year two. If you look at Miles Garrett, if you look at J.J. Watt, if you look at any of them, they take a big leap in that second year. Yeah. Um, adding Jameen Davis is a huge addition. Um, yeah, he's great. If you didn't watch Kentucky, you might have thought that was an overdraft. If you watched him, you knew that he was all over the field in pass coverage, and that's exactly what Ron Rivera wants from his uh, linebackers. Um. And he, with a great D-line in front of him, his knocks of not being able to pass rush or not being able to shed blocks really aren't going to matter because he's no. great in coverage. Go back and watch him covering Kyle Pitts. Obviously, Kyle Pitts beats him a couple times because Kyle Pitts is unbelievable. But for a linebacker, actually, like, slowing down Pitts like he did was huge. Yeah. Um, and so – they added a great coverage linebacker in the middle. Their cornerbacks got better. Their safeties are young and developing. They're getting better, and their D-line is unbelievable, as we all know. If you want to draft one, that's the one I like. Um, but I wouldn't draft one personally. But, hey, if you yeah. want to hold on to one, that's the one I'd look at. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Washington football team is probably my favorite defense as well. Again, I don't – I stay away. If my league doesn't force me to draft mm-hmm. a kicker or a defense, I'm not doing it. I'm going to take the value guys and wait until right before the season kicks off to go do that so that I can stash guys, maybe look to make trades. Or if someone gets hurt, you have that extra piece on on your bench. Maybe you have a handcuff and then drop him right before the season starts just in case one of those guys gets injured. If I had to say a defense, not going to go into this deep, it's pretty simple for me. If I were waiting on defense, I'd wait till all the guys, all the defenses go off the board. Washington's probably going to go a little bit earlier. If you want to take one, go get Washington. I think they're great. But I would go with the Denver Broncos because of their early season schedule. They play Jacksonville, the Giants, Mm -hmm. the Jets, I believe. Their first three weeks are excellent matchups. So go get – the Broncos defense, <clears throat> if you just want to stream defenses like Josh and I, I think that's an excellent defense to stream for the first three weeks of the season. Okay. Um, they just have, you know, really good, really good matchups. So, <clears throat> all right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for our My Guys episode. That was a lot of fun. Love talking about our favorite players in fantasy for this 2021 season. All right. Well, Next week, when we do our podcast, we're going to be jumping into our week one matchups. We're going to be talking about who we like week one, who we don't like week one. It's football time, baby. Let's go. Can't wait for the Bucks and Cowboys on Thursday night. I know you're excited, Josh. Your boys are about to come out and play. So get ready, everybody. It's football time. Let's go. All right. See y'all then. Out. (laughs) 